Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. What does an ally look like? Well, my guest today will tell you. I certainly love to be an ally, or do you need to be a sponsor? Let's find out in this episode. Eddie Turner is known as a leadership accelerator. He's a best-selling author, executive leadership coach, and public speaker who helps companies enhance their human capital. Uh, Recently, Eddie was one of many voices featured in a Wall Street Journal article on allyship and creating change. Eddie is also a C-suite network advisor, and you can find him on his podcast right here on C-Suite radio called Keep Leading. Welcome to All Business, Eddie Turner. Jeff, it is so good to be here with you. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. You're in Houston, but I know you're a Chicago boy. And then you also, you spent some time in New York. You've been, you've lived all over the U.S. Where do you like living the most, by the way? Well, I am from Chicago. I always say I left my heart in New York City. Absolutely <laughs> yep. love New York. And yep. now I'm, I've fallen in love with Houston, and Houston is where I reside. Of course, you're sitting there right now in a Category 3 hurricane bearing down on you, but uh, what the heck, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that part is no fun. This cat three that's coming through, uh, uh, Lauren is her name. We're hoping that she'll be a little more forgiving than uh, what she's uh, being billed out to be. Yeah, you got Lauren, you got Marco, you got everything coming. Well, last month, you were one of a number of voices featured in the Wall Street Journal article about how companies can create ally training for employees. Uh, first of all, what's an ally? Is, is an ally different than a sponsor? Yeah, that was a phrase that was used to uh, identify someone who goes beyond just being a sponsor. We need sponsors, obviously, to open the door. Uh, that sponsor makes things possible for employees who would perhaps otherwise not have a, an op- opportunity. An ally speaks up. An ally positions themselves to assist an employee in a very uh, personal way, if you will. And Mm -hmm. so uh, taking their social capital, their business capital, and essentially stamping it on that person and giving that person credibility, if you will, that allows them to be able to succeed in environments that previously they did not have an opportunity to do so. Yeah. And sponsor, when you look at a corporate, you know, like I had, like there are many times I've been in operations or I had a sponsor or someone who was, you know, had my back, so to speak, you know, in, in a corporate role, especially when I was, you know, driving a lot of change, say at Kodak or other companies, you know, it's always good to have somebody who was, you know, watching out for you that knew, you know, no matter if you got in trouble, they were going to be there to kind of bail you out or to take care of things because that was the job that I was doing was creating a little bit of a, I don't know, uh, dissidents, you know, in terms of driving change, you know, you have to kind of, someone has to rough the feathers. That was always my job. But, uh, but an ally sounds like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be your boss. It could be someone next to you. It could be someone else in a position that's, that could really assist. It could be someone who's sitting next to you, you know, but not always above you. Is that right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely correct, Jeff. In, in, in my case, it was someone who was always superior to me. And yeah. so, for example, you know, I had a, a, a gentleman named several gentlemen. And in these cases, they were all white men. They had the power. They had the access. Uh, the first was Larry Tumbleson. Uh, I remember he hired me to an all white firm. He realized the chance he was taking and what he was putting me under. And Larry spoke up and on my behalf on a, on a couple of occasions. And also, of course, by bringing me in, giving me an opportunity. Uh, later on, uh, others like Gary Oppenheis and uh, Bob Dean really helped by saying, hey, listen, uh, Eddie Turner's the guy you should use. And it was as if once they said that, it was as if I were, I were blessed. I was yeah. officially okay to do business with, right? right. And like so, he's a friend of ours, almost like being in the mafia, but not quite as... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they would. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. You, you said, <laughs> but you said something, and I, I'm just having some fun. But you said something uh, like taking a chance. Now, it wasn't well, I want to make sure this isn't a black-white thing, or or is it, or is it just because you were a young a young male stepping into a new role somewhere, and that's why he was a great ally, or was it a black-white thing in terms of taking that chance? That's what I want to make sure I clarify. You know, I didn't actually see it that way at the time. It was only in hindsight that I realized that, you know, I was young at the time. I, I was in my early 20s and uh, I realized as things unfolded kind of what things were. And at the time, even some of the yeah. things he said, it, it started to, to, to become clearer. Yeah. So, yes, it was the taking a chance in the sense that you are bringing someone in who is an unknown. You're bringing someone mm -hmm. in who's very different than what the company has had before. And no one knows what to expect. Right. And it was only later that I started to understand that people we really weren't even sure quite what to say. You know, how do you, how do they address you or are they afraid that? Things they may say based on stereotypes they've seen on television, you know, things, just a lot of things were unfolding that I wasn't aware of. And I started to understand later on that, you know, even with myself, that I was assimilating or doing certain things to make other people comfortable. Yeah. Which so, isn't, you know, which is, I mean, to some extent, it's okay to do some of that because, I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm loud, obnoxious. I try to tone some things down, but I also want to be myself. It's easier for me to be myself in this world than other people. I totally get that. I understand that. But does it just blow you away, the fact that you even have to think like that? I mean, I, I think a young man coming into this world, wide-eyed, ready to go, uh, you know, black, white, red, green, it'll make a difference, we think, but it does, and it did. And did, did that did that depress you in some way, or did that get to you in some way and say, like, this is bullshit? Or, or how did you react to that as you started getting more into the, into the corporate world? No, it's just something I've always dealt with. You know, something that, you know, I've uh, been taught since I was young uh, how to address yeah. and how to handle. And, you know, I just saw people as people. And yeah. I, I dealt with it and I never complained about it. And, and until June, 2020, I never even talked about it. And so it just was a, a silent thing that I understood. And I went with the nuances and did what I had to do to survive and to thrive in corporate America. Well, let's talk more about how to drive and thrive and how I can be a better ally, not only just to you, but to everybody, because I want to do that. I don't understand why people have to live like that. And I don't want people to have to live like that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio.
Hey, we are back and we're live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, tell your friends. That's how we grow. We're growing over 40% a month, so it's awesome. So we got a lot of friends out there telling everybody all about all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here and talking about C-Suite Radio, world's largest business podcast network. We've got so many people that are um, getting to know this. And of course, we're with Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. He, of course, has a uh, radio show or a podcast show called Keep Leading on C-Suite Radio. And of course, he's a C-Suite Network advisor, and we're so glad to have him as part of our, our C-Suite Network. Eddie, it's been a pleasure having you. You've been a real real asset to the group and real asset to everybody, like an ally. You've been an ally to a lot of people <laughs> over these years, which is great. So let's talk about what are, what are, what are ally programs look like? Well, one of the ones that I'm really excited about is one at Linkage. Uh, Jennifer McCullum is the CEO of Linkage, and uh, they are changing the face of leadership. And specifically, it was primarily around women's leadership, but they also cover other groups that have been historically disenfranchised. And so making sure that everybody has an opportunity to be leaders. And so they have a program uh, about allyship and others are uh, coming out as, as well. But that's the one that I would perhaps say is the one that I am most uh, excited about right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough to bring in everybody because not everybody, and we talk about leadership, you know, because some people are more introverted. Some people are more extroverted. It's tough for some people to bring that out. I, I, you know, I'm an extrovert as you well can see. And, and so I'm, I'm just like, Oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, that kind of thing that's going on in my own head about wanting to talk, but not everybody's like that. How do you bring everybody in terms of uh, when it comes to diversity and diversity training through, how do you bring that all out? It starts with education, but it needs to obviously go beyond that. There has to be a a level of, of, of awareness, Mm-hmm. Because there's there's always been educational programs around diversity and inclusion, so people have heard it, but actually doing it is uh, something significantly different. Yeah. It's un, it's not until people really understand that diversity is more than just something you do to avoid being sued. It's more than just the, what's compliance, checking the box. Diversity is actually good for the business. Oh, totally. it allows you to make better decisions when you can take in the full aspect of what your audience is, what it looks like and what they need. I'll give you an example. I'm super excited to be on all business today with you. And as you've said, I'm a member of the C-suite radio family and my show, keep leading my podcast, keep leading. Well, I interviewed the first deaf blind woman who graduated from Harvard Law School. In fact, she conquered law, Harvard Law School, she says. But she said, Eddie, I can't listen to your show. I can't access your show, is what she said. And she corrected me. You know, here I am thinking I'm diverse and I'm inclusive. But she let me know that she's deaf and blind, obviously. She can't get to my show because I didn't have a transcript of my show. And so mm. she was guest number 14. I went back and transcribed the first four, 13 and every episode of the Keep Leading podcast has had a transcript because she taught me that I was ignoring the largest minority group in the world. And that wow. is people with disabilities. And mm-hmm. not only was I not serving them, but there's I, I did it. And what, what it did, what was the human thing, the right thing? Ended up changing my SEO, my search engine optimization. So it gave me a deeper penetration or everywhere because I did that listening to her. Well, for businesses, when you take into consideration those with disabilities, 
right? It's a billion dollar audience. I'm sorry, it's over a billion people that yeah. you're not serving. And so you can grow your business just by doing the right thing. Yeah, but it's a, it's also one of those things, if you don't know what you don't know, you never know it, right? But I Correct. think the key thing you're saying is you gotta be open to it when someone says something and then you can act and change. What's it, what are companies getting wrong when it comes to diversity and diversity training? Thinking that training is enough. Mm-hmm. We're going to run everybody through this training and now we've done our job. Uh, no, it's more than that. Education alone doesn't fix anything. Uh, ask anyone <laughs> at, a, at a fitness center, right? Uh, we know what we should be doing. Are <laughs> yeah. those of us who are overweight, right? You know, we know. I had to put my hand up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know, but it's those extra cookies at night, you know? Yeah. Knowing it really it comes to, yeah yeah it comes to values and living the values right Eddie I mean in terms of being able to instill those in the team and instill those in the company so when we say diversity you know diversity really means diversity and inclusion means inclusion belonging means belonging so how do you how do you instill those into your values well number one you need to have them in your values there's still yeah. some organizations that don't even have it I'm dealing with a major organization right now that contacted me they said we don't even have it in our values. Mm-hmm. So if it's not even a part of our values, obviously it's not something we're articulating and talking about regularly. Then, of course, it goes beyond just having it in your values. Everyone put out a statement after the George Floyd incident and others Everybody. that were affected, right? Yep. Including well, us. We put out one, too. Let's, let's be clear. I want to be, yes. you know, everybody put out a statement, including us, although I took a position on Black Lives Matter a couple of years ago. But nonetheless, uh, for we wrote, we wrote it into our book, our last book, The Hero Factor. Yes, you did. You did. And you've always been a great ally, by the way, I should say. Thank you. But but other people realized that, hey, listen, you've put out these statements. But when when I look at your executive team, when I look at your senior leadership, when I look at your whatever it may be, it's not congruous with this statement you've just put out. So, Mm -hmm. yes, putting it in writing is a great first step. Having it as a part of our values is a wonderful uh, thing to do, but it must be followed up by sincere actions. And those actions can only be sincere if people really believe that this is the right thing. And it's not just, hey, this is the flavor of the week. This is what we need to do to be compliant. And not just doing, I think you have to share the numbers a little bit. And I've said that in the statement that I put out for companies around C-suite and the C-suite network and around Black Lives Matter in in terms of of race and diversity and belonging inclusion. I said that you've got to put the numbers out. It's one thing to say, hey, we're like, let's just use this. I'll say, hey, we got to put more people of color on the platform. Okay, well, what does people of color mean? Is it is it brown or is it black? Well, it's both. So what so what's the percentage? Well, I don't know. I've got to go figure that out. Right. What's my target? I don't know. I got to go figure that out. You have to be open. So then you got to go look and say, you know, I'll just give you practical examples for those of in. So let's imagine that the black population in the United States, I think, is 13, 14%, right? So should you have 13, 14% of your speakers at least be black? Well, you'd like to strive for that, but what's the percentage of blacks in executive leadership? Now, that's a different number, right? So that's that's like two or 3%, maybe, maybe. So then you got to go, okay, well, let's try to exceed two or 3%, but two to 3% sure doesn't seem like much. 
So, you know, these are the things you got to struggle with. And Eddie, it's even tougher though, isn't it? For like groups like us and some others, because we weren't keeping track of that. I wasn't like, like, okay, how many black members do I have? How many brown members do I have? How many, you know, I don't know, Irish, I mean, whatever. I wasn't keeping track of any of that stuff because just didn't, didn't dawn on us to do that. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's the case for a lot of organizations until yeah. there's a pain point, right? We only start to measure what matters. Right. And sometimes it doesn't matter until it's come up on the radar for some reason. Yeah. What about, is there a diversity pipeline problem or is it a hiring manager problem that we're seeing uh, with companies trying to live to these values? Probably a little both. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to hire people who look like us and who we, we're, we're friends with, people we like. Yeah, that's normal human nature. And, you know, uh, social science tells us that the problem with that is groupthink kicks in. So that's the other reason why we need diversity, because we need someone who thinks different from us, who will help us to act differently. And uh, I love your phrase you always use in your book, adapt, change or die. Well, you won't adapt. You won't change if everybody around you is the same because no one's going to tell you something different. So it does. The hiring manager does play a role. Pipeline plays a role. Right. It goes back to the educational system. Uh, For a long time, you didn't necessarily have uh, a diverse access to the best educational institutions. And so if corporations, like some of the top organizations I've worked for, you go to the top schools to recruit, well, you're missing a whole pool of people. So you consistently bring in the same type or prototype or uh, pedigree, if you will, of employees. And it's really hard then, of course, to have a diverse pipeline of employees, consequently a diverse pipeline of uh, promotions. And then you end up with a monotone uh, pool of employees and pool of leadership. You know, a lot of people talk about the fact that, oh, you got to make sure everybody's qualified. (laughs) And that's a like no shit, Sherlock. Of course, you want to make sure everybody's qualified. And if you don't have enough qualified people, that's your pipeline problem. That's that's because you're not doing the right job. You know, you you talk about hiring and managing. Let me give you an example. Somebody recently came to me, a CEO came to me and he said, I got a I got a race issue. I go, what's the race issue? He goes, I got two teams. One's white team, one's black team. I said, well, that doesn't sound good. So what's the deal? He goes, I said, are they paid the same? Yes. Are they all the same kind of positions? Yes. I said, well, explain to me why. I said, well, I said, what's the leader of the white team? Well, it's a white woman. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, wait, wait, but she's married to a black man. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So there's no real issue there. Really? From a, from a race relationship. Nope, nope, no. And then what about the black team? Well, that's funny because it's a black man and he's married to a white woman. Well, you would think there's no race issue there either. So what you got is really is a hiring problem is what we said. They're hiring, you know, to the, to the color. And so he had to put the teams together, break them up and then, and then put them back together. Let's talk a little bit, uh, Eddie, with a couple of minutes we've got left about racist comments in the workplace. You know, sometimes you'll hear somebody tell an off color joke or they'll say something inappropriate. Um, and sometimes they might not even know that it is. Now, sometimes it's an actual someone who does believe it, says it, and does it inappropriate. How should one handle a racist comment in the workplace? I, I believe in zero tolerance. Yeah. You know, if there's a racist comment that's made around us, then an ally is we take the lead in striking that down, whether it affects us or not. 
I, I will butcher the, the quote if I try to give you the entire quote, but essentially the quote was uh, related to what happened to the Jews in Nazi mm. Germany. You know, first they came for this group. I didn't say anything. Then they came for that group. And then finally they came for me. Right. So, yeah, we must speak up just again. What's the human thing? What's the right thing? Right. But then, yeah, at some point it will affect us if we don't. And, but I always assume that the person had no malintent. So I first give them that, you know, I give them, I grant them sincerity of their comments. So I first, but I always do confront each statement. So like, hey, that's, let me be clear. I don't think you meant to say this in this manner. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but we don't say things like that here. We don't talk like that here. And so let's make sure you understand the implications of what you said and how you said it. And let's clear this up right now. So I usually, when I see those kinds of things, that's how I tend to deal with it. And, but at least I always confront, you always want to confront bad behavior and reward good behavior. That's always been one of my, my, um, uh, um, you know, key values or the things I practice. So let's talk about Absolutely. Is that, a, is that a good way to do it? Yes, with tact. Yeah, so when I say call it out, I don't mean you know call it out with uh, you know destroying the person's dignity, right? Uh, assume positive intent, but you want to call it out and ex- explain it just the way you did tactfully. Yeah. C-suite radio. So let's talk about work. Once you're in the job, how important is professional development and coaching? Don't wait for the company. Continuously invest in yourself. Be it uh, continue to read, have subscriptions to trade magazines for your industry. Be it going to conferences, completing executive education programs at universities. Invest in yourself. And then, of course, the coach in me must say, consider a coach. <laughs> a coach you can should. help you one-on-one with your challenges. Yeah, you should have team yeah. coaches. You so, should have individual coaches. You should have, you know, less is life coaches. You, if you don't have those people in your life doing it for you, invest in yourself in order to get it done where, where you want to go. It's an inexpensive thing. I, I, I hear a lot. I, you know, there's coaches everywhere. I don't think I've ever seen so many coaches in my life, and yet there's not enough of them to go. There's not enough of them right now. There's, there's still more and more need, isn't there, Eddie? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the biggest part of your of your day today that you're doing in terms of coaching and leading today? What's the what's the biggest thing on your horizon? Coaching leaders, working with leaders to accelerate their performance and drive impact. The name of the game. Well, listen, we're driving impact today. I want to thank you for joining me right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you, Jeff. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I'll tell you what I learned. Zero tolerance. That's something we should just put into our vocabulary. Like, this will not be tolerated here. So when someone says an off-color joke or a comment or uh, could be racist, could be sexist, could be uh, hurtful in some way, we just have to confront it. It has to be zero tolerance. You have to, I think, grant people, as I said before, um, some tact of being able to say, I don't think you meant to say this, but if you did, you're out the door. But nonetheless, you want to be able to help use it as a teaching moment. And zero tolerance is a good thing to put in place. It's not a bad thing. It's just saying, hey, we're going to treat our people and rise to this level and not down to that level. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. 
You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.